Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Thankful for the opportunity. If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to the book of Acts in chapter 11. Book of Acts in chapter 11. We've been going for quite a while now without much stopping, one kind of section at a time through the book of Acts. And we've made it to the end of chapter 11. And I'm really excited about what I found in this passage that may sound on first reading to be more of a record keeping or kind of information. So I want to read you 11 verses, 19 through 30, and then I want to teach it to you. If you're there and you're ready, please say ready. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen... Uh, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And to Antioch the disciples, in, in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. That's our text for today. What I want to talk to you uh, about today from this passage is the importance of having a big C church mindset. What I mean when I say that is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're in the room today, you are part of a church. Lots of the people that are in this room are members or regular attenders, are givers to Good News in the Neighborhood, 312 East Wood Street in Palatine, Illinois. This is a church. And it's important to be part of a church, but it's also important to understand that you are not just part of a church, you are also part of the church. That's what I mean by big C, the church worldwide. For 2,000 years, just think for a second about how many years that is. 2,000 years, the big C church of Jesus Christ has been building and taking the message of what Jesus did to every corner on this planet. And there's big churches and small churches and medium-sized churches and liturgical churches and Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and Honestly, boring churches and exciting churches and good churches and bad churches and all of that together, everywhere there's a group of people on this Sunday gathered around the world, the people who have true, believing, saving faith in Jesus Christ, those people are part of the big 
C Church. And we live, as we know, uh, we live in the age of the individual, right? And in the age of the individual, we don't like to associate ourselves too often with being part of much of anything, lest it go bad or we don't like it. We like thinking, I'm kind of my own person. We're working on being biblical people, not just people living inside of a culture. And so we are part of today, a church, hopefully, and also the church, the big C church. That's what uh, the message is about today. And we'll start here by reminding us in Acts 1-8, we saw the mission of everything that was supposed to happen in in the church. I'll put that verse on the screen. This is Jesus, and he's speaking to the disciples, and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my... What's the next word? We'll try that again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my... In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus' message carried with it from the very beginning this imperative a demand, a request, a command to not just keep what they had heard about Jesus and experienced to themselves, but to allow that message to go to the whole world. And what we saw in the first 10, 11 chapters of the book of Acts is that the church was doing really great at being witnesses, but the church was struggling to do the going to all places part well. It was really booming right there in Jerusalem and in the area around them, but it wasn't booming everywhere. And we saw, if you were with us last week, we saw that God took dramatic action, stepped in, and gave Peter a vision to say, no, no, we're going to not just tell Jewish people the good news, we're going to tell everyone the good news. I know that's some buildup, but that's what gets us to right here. So now Acts 11 and verse 19, it says now, just we're going to go verse by verse now, so look with me back at your Bible. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen... That's an echo back a few chapters to where there was one man who was talking about Jesus with such power that a whole group of people got together and threw rocks at him till he died. And Saul, who soon will be called Paul, the greatest missionary of the church, stood there and was part of that. And then he was dramatically saved. Do you remember that part? But when that happens, you can imagine, like, if somebody came to church today and, you know, with the power of the government behind them, picked somebody Lance or whoever, and, and then threw, you could feel it coming, and threw rocks at him all the way until he died. You can imagine it would be harder to get people to show up next Sunday, right? You can imagine that if that happened. And so when it happened in Jerusalem, it says there, look, now those who were scattered, makes sense. They're like, well, if this is, I'm leaving town. Those who were scattered because of what happened to Stephen, they went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. I think we have a map a few slides down that I'd love to show you. The maps, everybody loves the maps. So you can imagine here. They started down in Jerusalem at the bottom right, and it says that because of what happened, they started taking a lot of ground. Now, we live in the ages of airplanes and cruises and go wherever, but if you're traveling on foot, they're making it a long way. That's what happened. It says that when they were there, when they went on their way as they were scattered, see it? Now we're at the end of verse 19. They spoke the word to no one except the Jews. So they, even though they were in a new place, they kept on with this ethnic division of the good news where they only shared the good news with people who were already like them. Verse 20, but there were some of them, they were foreigners, that's what it means when it says men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Some of the people who were scattered, what it says, what they did was when they got to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, Greek-speaking people also, preaching the Lord Jesus 
And the hand of the Lord was with them. Why was the hand of the Lord with them as opposed to the others? Because they were obeying the command of Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. If you want to have a big C church mindset, that's what we're working on today. If you want to have a big C church mindset, one, do the right thing over the safe thing. So I got to say, like, if you couldn't live in Palatine or Arlington Heights anymore because your faith in Jesus made it not safe to be here and you had to go some other place, I don't know, you had to go to La Crosse, Wisconsin, just to pick some place. You had to go to Peoria, Illinois. I mean, if you, like, had to leave town because of your faith, and you still had your faith, and were talking to other people about it when you got to La Crosse, Wisconsin, who thinks pretty good, like, I think pretty good, if you still had your faith and were still talking about it, pretty good. But they weren't completely obedient, they were partially obedient. And we all have to watch out, all of us have to watch out for being partially obedient, and then thinking that we're doing great because we're doing better than the people over there. We all have to battle that sense of just because I'm not those people that I knew in high school that I see on Facebook doesn't mean that I'm obeying the God of the universe and his holy standard. And his standard was we're going to take the gospel, we're going to take the good news to everybody. And they weren't living up to that standard. Most of the people that were scattered, it says that they were only talking to the Jews. But some of them, some of them, the outsiders, they were preaching the good news to the Hellenists also. That's what we saw in verse 20. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And so then a great many people believed. If we want to have a big C church mindset, if we want to honor God the way that we want to, we have to get it clear in our head that Jesus is for people like me is less than Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for people that don't acknowledge him. Jesus is for people that don't want to worship him. Jesus is for people who believe that he is one among many other ways to heaven. Jesus is for people who like, have just peaced out and they're like, the church is bad and they're attacking the church. Jesus is not just for people like me. Jesus is not just for people like you, not people that look like me, not people that think like me, not people that vote like me, not people that live their lives like me. Jesus is for everyone. And when people walk through life with that mindset, you see what happens. The hand of the Lord is with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Here's how I want to try to apply that this morning to you and to me. As the sun comes out outside, the way that I want to try to apply that to you and to me is, I, you know, it's pretty easy. Every so often, depending on what you do for work and depending on your personality, every so often people come towards you in a way that makes talking about your faith like inevitable and almost impossible not to do. Uh, like the other day, there's uh, this family that's part of this football world that we're in that was like uh, stopped Kristen over here in the parking lot as they were walking to football practice. We're like, hey, we're like looking for a church. Um, and do you think maybe it would be okay if we like came to your church and learned about like what you guys believe? <laughs> so it's like every so often those kind of things happen where it's just like, it just kind of like runs towards you and there's really nothing that you can do to stop it. That's the equivalent to what was happening here when the Jewish people were talking to other Jewish people. But I wonder how often we are willing to do not just the safe thing, but the right thing, which is to push past the awkwardness, push past the fear of offending, 
push past the, I don't know what it's going to feel like having to talk to this person if they reject it. I wonder how often we're willing to push past that part to say to somebody who we know around us, hey, like, I just got to tell you, Jesus Christ changed my life, and I, like, really believe in him. And I know, I don't know, like, if you have much faith or I don't know what the deal is, but I'd love to tell, it, tell you about it. Could we talk about it? I wonder how often we kind of wait over here like, all right, God, if you want it to happen, you're, it's going to happen. I, uh, I've told you guys this before, but I spent a lot of years uh, working with young people who were trying to find someone to marry. And it was amazing how often people would kind of be like, I'm just down here in the basement doing my thing. And when God wants me to get married, he's going to bring her right down those stairs. And she's going to walk towards me in a white dress. He's God. He could do it, right? What am I? Not realizing that there's always the part that God does. And what else is there? There's always the part that we do. And God forgive me. I'll just go first. God forgive me for how often I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity to share the good news and not being willing to put my faith. If I really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and he is the only solution to the problems that ail this world, what does it mean about the state of my heart that my fear of being rejected keeps me from telling people around me about it who really, really need it? So we don't want to just do the safe thing to have the right mindset. We want to do the right thing. Because we see here in this passage, this is what I would describe as radical obedience, and God always blesses radical obedience. Do you know? God always blesses radical obedience. Here's the caveat. Often in a manner and a timing that confounds those who love him. Can I get a witness anywhere around? Can I get a witness anywhere around? So God always, when I step up and do what God wants me to do, when I step up and honor him with my finances and honor him with my sexuality and honor him with my uh, thinking at work and if, when I honor him and how I'm trying to parent my kids and live my life, God always, always blesses my obedience. It's just that he is rarely blesses me in the way that I want to be blessed. Just for somebody else's faith this morning, can I get a witness around the room? Who's seen that one before? Come on, come on, raise your hand if you've seen it before. And so what makes it so hard is sometimes when I'm trying to live the way God wants me to live and I'm not getting the results that I want right now, it becomes tempting to think maybe I should try a different path instead of doing what God wants me to do. I'm, i got to get going here. I got so excited. I went too long on that section. Second section, look back with me at the text. So it says, a great many people who believe turn to the Lord. Now a report of this, verse 22, it came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So what was happening in another town over came, and they heard about it at kind of the central or main church at the time. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. He was one of the leaders on the team. They said, hey, can you just go check out what's going on over there? And it says that when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Two, if you want to have a big C church mindset, you need to learn to take joy when God blesses other people. So you got to really get what happens here. Barnabas is over here serving God in Jerusalem, and they're like, hey, have you heard? In Antioch, it's going crazy over there. People are coming to faith. People are getting baptized. It's not even like the people that we kind of think should be or the way that we want. It's just like, uh, I don't know. And they're like, Barnabas, you go check it out. Because if you read the book of Acts closely, Barnabas is the guy who can always find something to be in a good mood about when everybody's getting cranky with each other. And Barnabas shows up, and I just love the way this is written. 
It says that when he saw what God was doing, he was glad. He was glad because God was working. And so then he just said, hey, keep being faithful to the Lord. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit. What is so clearly implied, if you've been reading the book of Acts closely, is that Barnabas did something that wasn't easy to do. Rather than keeping on wanting the church in Jerusalem to be in control, he was thrilled that God was working, even if it wasn't in the place where he was. So much of what ails us as Christians and what ails us as people living in this world is when we see good things happening to other people, our first instinct is, why isn't that me? This isn't fair. That should have been me. Why did they get the healing that I wanted and I got the wrong diagnosis? Why are their kids that way and mine are this way? Why is their marriage look so good on social media and mine is I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep from killing that person for one more week, Pastor, telling you the truth. Why is that church over there seeing so many good things happen? And this church over so much of what ails us is the mindset that if something good is happening to someone else, that means something bad is happening to me. It's a, a, I would describe it as like a plenty versus poverty mindset. Come here, Lance, you're in the sermon. Come on, buddy. The... Uh, <laughs> Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. A plenty versus poverty mindset. To have a plenty mindset is to believe that there are enough resources to go around. But to have a, a scarcity or a poverty mindset is to be defined by feelings of competition and lack. So there are some things in life, uh, like the Bears are playing today, and only one of the two teams on the field is going to be able to get a win, someone else is going to get a loss. There are certain things, very, very few, but certain things in life where there is only one person can get this, there's only one. But so much of the way that our world works is trying to make us feel like there is a lack and we need to reach for the lack. What is it? Every single ad that you see for a product is, uh, sale is going to be over at the end of the day. Uh, only 20 more tickets to the concert. Only Act fast. Why? Because, oh, 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 if I don't buy this hat, I'm not going to be able to buy this. It's, this, it's a, a scarcity or a poverty mindset. And it really harms us and hurts us. Lance, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Lance started a new job this week, which him and I have been praying about for a long time. And uh, yes, yes. And if you could turn, and he, he, came, he got a new, he got this cool, he got this cool, little, turn to the side. He got this cool little line in his hair uh, to go to work. Uh, for his first day, which uh, I think is a vibe. Well done. You can't, you can't get the line in your hair and then not want people to notice it, Lance. Like, what? I mean, that was the whole point. You look great. You did great. You did great. You did great. Sometimes, and I'm trying to make a serious point lightly so that we can get it, we bring our poverty mindset to relationships and to church people and people around us, and it harms us. So we're uh, pretty close to the same age. And uh, I have some things that you don't have, and you have some things that I don't have. And uh, we're, we, we're really close friends. We're good friends. No one could ever hassle you as much as I hassle you without us being really close friends. But so like I have these four crazy kids and I'm tired all the time. And God hasn't blessed you with that yet. It's coming. It's going to be a great day when it happens. And, and you have this like amazing metabolism. I'm really genuinely. You should see this guy. He goes to town when we're hanging out. But you it's just I don't know where it goes. I don't know where it goes. And, and we have different family backgrounds, 
don't we? Very different family backgrounds, and we have very different, obviously we're different ethnicities, different races, we have all kinds of different things. And what's so tempting in relationships is to look at what the person has that I don't have and start to long for it. I mean, you got time, man. Every time I call you to hang out, you're like, sure, where are we hanging? And you, then you text me, and you're like, you're like, I'm like, dude, I don't have like four free minutes on the calendar between now and Christmas, because this is the stages of life that we're in. And it's so easy to look at what, am I telling the truth? It's so easy to look at what the other person has that I don't have. And then what happens is I forget about what I have that they don't have. And so many people blow up their families and ruin their financial world through reckless choices and become unhappy even though they have lots of good things around them because they have a negative poverty mindset instead of a positive plenty mindset. There is an unlimited amount of love in our world from God. If someone else has a great relationship, that doesn't mean that you can't have one. There is unlimited of almost everything. But as long as we're... And so Barnabas, he goes to this church, and he shows up, and he's supposed to be kind of like inspecting it to see if they're like doing something wrong or whatever. And when he gets there, he sees the grace of God. People are being saved. People are being discipled. Good things are happening. And because he was healthy and happy and holy, when he saw something amazing happening, even though it wasn't happening to him, he was able to say, because this is in the Bible, so we know it's true, he was glad. It didn't matter that it wasn't happening to him. He was thrilled that it was happening. And I wonder how much, dear friends, your mindset the way that you feel day to day to day, we all feel great for the most part when we're in church. This is the time when it's like, all right, everything's okay. But it's going to be Tuesday afternoon and Thursday morning pretty soon again. And the way that we keep on going, I can't tell you how important this single point is for you and for me. That if I can learn to take joy when God blesses others, there is no limit to the amount of joy that could come into my life. But as long as every time something good happening to him or to her makes me think, well, why am I not at the beach? Well, I work hard. I think I work hard. I for sure studied more than she did in school, and she just seems to, as long as I have that comparison thing going, it just makes me more and more and more and more and more unhappy. Okay, back to the text. So the next part. So it says the Barnabas, this is the next part, I love this. So all these people are added to the Lord. So you would think Barnabas, he's like the, the ranking church guy. He would have all kinds of opportunity to, influence the people that are coming to faith and to teach the people that are coming to faith. But what he does is, it says, so Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Just pause there. Just imagine what that was like in a pre, any kind of communication era. It just means he like got on a boat and went over to the city and just kind of was like, Paul, Paul, has anyone seen? Paul, are you here? Yes, he's the one with the robe and the beard here. And they just had to go, it's just what it says. He had to go look for him. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, I love this. This is to talk about the significance of this church and what was happening. This is the first place that they were called Christians. I'd call myself a Christian. I don't know if you would. I hope you would. All the way back 2,000 years, where this started was at this church in Antioch. What Barnabas does here in this third section, which I love, is, and this is what, if we want to have this mindset, is we need to look to others for expertise and help. Barnabas saw a great bunch of new people in faith, and he wanted to help them grow in their faith, 
And he probably could have taught great, but he thought, who is the best teacher in all the history of the Christian church that can teach them the doctrine and discipline and practical things they need to know? It's Saul. I'm going to go get him, and I'm going to have him teach you. It's crazy to me. Uh, Rather than taking a starring role for himself, he leaves to go find Paul, asking him to be the one to instruct new converts in the faith. We live in an age where we are told and often live as though we are our own guru, pulling together a whole bunch of different ideas and philosophies to decide how we should live. We live not in the age often of worshiping other out there false gods, but of worshiping a false god of ourselves. We have this sense, so many people in the world today, that I'm going to put together all the information and I'm going to decide the right things and I'm going to decide the right way to live. There's something really powerful that Barnabas's instinct is to go find someone else who is better equipped to him than him to help with the job that the church needed to do. I wonder, um, let me say it like this. I'm going to switch these orders, so just help me with this. I wonder, you arrived like where you are right now, friend, you and me. You arrived right where you are using your best thinking. So I wonder who can help you get to where you want to go. Just think about that for a second. So like whatever's going on in your, your marriage, if you're married, blessed to be married. If you're, whatever's going on in your marriage, you got to where it is by thinking every day, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to get, make it better? And maybe it's in a knot. Maybe your career is in a knot, even though every day you've been like, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to make it better? So the point is, just keeping on thinking isn't going to get it somewhere else, probably, because if it could have, it, it already would have, right? I don't know. If you have uh, kids, I know a lot of the people at the early service are parents. Do you ever get in one of those like ruts with a child where you're like, all right, we got to come up with a new way because this way of trying to do the homework isn't working? Or this way of trying, anyone, can I get a win? Any, this, this way of doing it isn't working, so we got to come up with a new way. And right there, those of us who have faith in Jesus have an opportunity and an obligation to look who can help me figure things out that I can't figure out for myself. Who's on your phone? I would suggest often it's not like go find some influencer person to give you advice they're probably not following and probably doesn't work anyway. Who is the person out there that I know who's in my phone who can help me figure out this little thing right here? That's what Barnabas does. He's like, we got all these new people in faith. We got to help them. I'm going to go get Saul. Uh, I've got some people in my life. I brought a few people in my life to tell you about today that are like that for me. Uh, I got some pictures. Yeah. Up there on the left, you'll see she's the woman that was in the video uh, earlier. Her name's uh, Lisa Gutierrez. She's a follower of Jesus. And she's been working in this community for 20 years trying to help underprivileged people. And I just decided after I got around her because of our connection and faith and her knowledge, the reason we're doing this bike project today is because she told me this is something that the community really needs. Rather than like wandering around trying to figure out how to help on behalf of our church, I went and Lord was blessed to find someone who could help. Upper right is my friend Jim Dvorak. He's uh, one of the deacons in the church here. And uh, he's a friend that often when I don't know what to do next, I call him on the phone and say, Jimmy, what should I do? And uh, you probably know me well enough to know by now that I can get a little, like, uh, I'm an like, emotional person. I can get a little ramped up. And Jimmy has this thing that he does whenever I talk to him where he just starts talking quieter <laughs> and slower 
And then I'm like, wait, what was it? What was I mad about again? What was going on? Because he has, uh, on the left, I'll go quick. That's Brian Loritz. He's one of the overseers. He preached here earlier this year. He's a friend of mine. He's a worldwide expert on uh, building churches with multiple different kinds of people and ethnicities. On the right is a friend of mine, Israel, and his wife, Rachel, are friends of Kristen and I from California who've worked together in a church and raised their kids in kind of the environment that we're in. These are people that I call regularly and say, okay, I don't know how to get from right here to over there. What should I do? And I wonder, the point is not like, oh, wow, they're a cool pastor. The point is, I wonder who do you have in your life, dear friends, who can help you get from I'm right here, I don't know how to get from here over there. You and Jesus is great, but Jesus gives us people to help us get where we're trying to go. And so I wonder, how many more weeks are you going to keep beating your head against the wall about whatever this problem you brought to church is today? Sometimes, you know what that person does? Often they tell you, you're not crazy. This is a difficult problem. You're doing everything you can. Just don't give up. Some of the best people in your life are people who don't try to give you a bunch of things. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. You know what they often do is just say, hey, you know what? I see it. You're not crazy. Come on. Keep on going. If you want to have this right mindset, you got to look to others for expertise and help. One more thing, and then we're almost done. Here we go. Come on with me. So the last part of the story, it goes a totally different direction. Now in these days, so that means around this same time, verse 27, there were prophets, and the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, we can make a joke about Agabus's name, but I think it's kind of self-evidently there. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit, so this was God leading him, there was about to be a great famine all over the world. Now Luke, the writer, he's trying to tell you in those parentheses, no, this really happened, guys. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers in Judea, and they did so, sending it by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So do you see what happens here? What happens here is the church up in Antioch finds out that there's about to be a, a famine all over the place. And the church in Antioch was the one that had been kind of told, like, hey, the real church is the Jewish people, but I guess we'll kind of let you guys in. But they figure out that the Jewish church over here is about to be in the middle of this famine, and there's about to be, like, great suffering. And rather than do what most people would do at that moment, being like, wow, hmm, uh -huh. what goes around comes around, huh, church over there, I guess you shouldn't have been so mean to us, I guess you shouldn't have been so kind of that attitude. Instead of what they say is, oh man, there's people over there that they're about to be suffering. All right, so what, what can you give? What can, what can, come on, come on, what can you do? What can you notice? It's always there in the scripture anytime there's talking about giving, that the mandate is not the amount. What does it say right there? According to their ability. So what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? And it says that they just gathered up whatever they could all afford to give. And whatever they could all afford to give, they brought over there to relieve the suffering of the other church. People that hadn't been that nice or helpful to them in the first place. And they were getting nothing out of it. It was simply generosity. Last thing, dear friends, if you want to have this big C church mindset that I see here that we want to have, we want to give generously to the family any way that we can. So the Bible's super clear about this, that uh, being generous to the people you're supposed to be generous to is not something to be excited about. That's like table stakes, you know, like helping your family, helping people around you, meeting a need that is an obvious need that's right in front of you, 
Lance, if you get a flat tire and you call me and me come, I come and help you, I wouldn't know how, but I could call someone else and we'll fix your flat tire. That's not like, oh my goodness. Such, no, that's what you're, say it, supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. What is real generosity, biblically speaking, is when you help people who kind of don't deserve your help, probably will never be able to do anything to help you back, and maybe people who kind of weren't that great to you in the first place. That's like now the generosity meter is ringing up. I and mean, that's what's happening here. And I was like reading this in my office. Uh, the word there, I want to tell you about this, and then I want to tell you what we're going to do. The word there was that they were to bring relief. That's what they said they were going to do. The Greek word there means like it's distribution or ministry or help. There was suffering, and they had an ability to relieve the suffering. I'm going to tell you exactly how this happened. I was uh, in my office Monday morning working on this, and I was just captured by this sense of generosity. And I was kind of like, I try to come in Monday morning first thing. Uh, I come in by myself and work on the sermon. That's the first thing I do in the week. And I was in there working, and I was studying this last Monday morning, and I was just kind of thinking about, man, like, maybe our church should do something to help someone who's in need. Or, or maybe our church should gather a collection to distribute. We're so blessed, and man, we should do something. And then uh, Monday afternoon, I was reading through the prayer requests that came in for the week. Uh, in those binders, I know I actually do read them, so I'll just keep saying that until hopefully everybody believes me. And someone in the congregation wrote that they were really praying that God would help our church be able to find a way to help all these people that we're seeing on the news that are coming into our area on these buses and finding a, like asylum and immigration. It's all over the news, and the news turns it into a political thing, like I said earlier, and God sees people. And I read that prayer request, and I thought, huh. And then I came in on Tuesday morning, and somewhere in the day on Tuesday, I got an email from this friend of mine, Lisa, who was in that video, saying there was a couple of buses, and there's these 70 men who left Venezuela and left their families, and they're here, and the government saw them at the border, and the government said, well, you know what? Like, you really shouldn't, you can't go back there, so we'll welcome you here. And the way the system works is they get one year in our country to hire a lawyer and to kind of like apply for and then hopefully receive permanent residency from the government. But while they're here, most of them just have like the clothes on their, I mean, you don't leave the country you're in and walk to another country because you got a big checking account, right? And so while they're here, they have to find employment, find housing. The government lets them be here, but there's not a lot of help. And this group of people around us is like, okay, so here's how you can help. The way that you can help is they're all out trying to find work and trying to find jobs. And if they can get bikes, they can go find work and get jobs, and that's going to help them for this year. And I got this email after reading that prayer request, after studying this passage, and I had one of those like, oh, my gosh, there really is like a real God. And it's like right here, like right now, it's like really happening. And so what uh, we decided to do as our team uh, is everything that comes in financially today is going to go towards trying to get this need met. And you might have seen outside, there's a whole bunch of bikes already outside and a whole bunch of people brought stuff. And so you might have something at home that you can go get uh, and bring over. You might know somebody. I talked to somebody who's like, oh, my parents, we have some stuff up at a place, and they're going to bring it by tomorrow. We're going to keep collecting uh, until we have everything because what our partners say is you don't really want to bring over enough to help like a third of the people, and then who knows what happens. So we're going to get everything together as long as it takes. And so if you came today to give, if you give on the Venmo or the Cash App or in the boxes or if you give online, maybe you don't have anything practically that can help with this need, but you're like, yeah, I can help. Uh, a couple people told me uh, from the Thursday service that they uh, bought a bike on Amazon and they're shipping it here. Feels like a big box. I don't know how that works exactly, but we'll figure it out. Uh, what's the point? 
the point is, um, if we want to have this right mindset, man, God has blessed us. Has God blessed you? God has blessed us. This church has been so generous. We have this fantastic building and so many wonderful people and ministry is growing. And what we don't want to do, what we don't want to do is get that mindset that it's all for us so that we can get more and we can get more and we can get more and we can get more. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pause and say everything God gives us today is to help some people over here. And I'm just telling you, they're never going to be able to help us back. We're not even going to know their names. What we're going to do is we're going to give as generously as we can because God knows and God sees and we want to see every person that he has created made in his image and deserving of our help if we can give it. So I'll just put, uh, you can put the giving slide back up on the screen if you weren't like ready when you came, that's okay. And I hope you hear me, this is an open invitation. God loves people who give not reluctantly and not, I don't want to put you under compulsion because why, what does God love? God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're like, I don't want to do it, but it makes me feel like he's making me, please don't. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. What, what I'm hoping happens is as we open God's word, it wells up in your heart and you're like, I can help. So I'm going to pray in a second and then we're going to sing. But my hope and desire is that we're going to be able to tell you by next Sunday that we've got all these people's needs met in Jesus' name because God's been good to us. We want to be good to others. All right. Let's do it together. Why don't you bow your heads, stand to your feet and bow your head. I know that's two things in a row. I know that's a lot for some of me. Lord, I'm just asking today that you would overwhelm us with generosity. You have been good to us. You have been good to me. When I stop and think about what you've saved me from, what you've given to me, the forgiveness that you've poured out on me, the blessing that you've given me, the fact that I'm standing here right now in your love, I am overwhelmed, Lord, with your generosity to me. And so I'm asking that you would allow me to push that generosity to others. I don't want to just see myself as part of this like small, little, better than everybody else team over here, Lord. I want to see myself as part of your whole team. And everyone who loves you, even the crazy cousins in our family that drive me crazy, Lord, they are part of our family too. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would help us and bless us and give us a willingness to do what you want us to do. And I pray in Jesus' name, as we sing now, we would praise you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing together. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.